0: Welcome to another episode of It's a Lot with Me, Abby Chatfield. Obviously, duh. It'd be weird if you listened to how I was. Um, but this week we're doing a. Amazing episode that I've been so excited to do because it's been, you know, something's been a lot recently as I've been diagnosed with ADHD. And we have our Steph Gio, also known as Mind Food Steph. She's amazing. She is trained in eating disorders, anxiety, ADHD, OCD, depression, and social phobia. So, of course, we had to get her wrong. Hello, Steph. How are you going? Hello,
1: Abby. Thank you so much for having me here. I was delighted to oh. be on the show and I've been listening to your journey with ADHD. So I'm really excited to answer your question. Oh yeah, God. as you mentioned, <laughs> I'm a psychologist. So I've been working in the industry for a while now. And I just hope we can, yeah, generate more awareness on the
0: topic. Well, let's start off with this. I feel like A lot of my female friends recently have been diagnosed with ADHD or think they have ADHD. And Mm -hmm. is it something that's really underdiagnosed in women? Is it something that you've noticed has been kind of an influx lately? Yes, absolutely. And I think the influx of,
1: A, women recognising that they may have it is, Due to lockdowns, I think working from home and being locked in the house, women were no longer able to kind of mask the difficulties they were having and I think those difficulties really came out uh, throughout lockdown and I I think that's one of the main reasons it's sparked this, yeah, massive sort of inquiry, do I have ADHD and there's so much on it I can't wait to go into, but yes, there is definitely a surge of people
0: considering the, the diagnosis, particularly women, yeah, because I feel like like my mom's a teacher, right? A year one and two teacher. And she, when I told her I got diagnosed, she was kind of like, Oh yeah, but she was like, I never really thought about you having ADHD, but now that you tell me all the reasons why that you've been diagnosed, like it makes complete sense. And she's an early childhood teacher. And I think it's because the symptoms that we're told ADHD manifests as. For little boys, kind of like being naughty and being mm-hmm. not, you no, know, not having good grades, not well, this is overall, but in terms of what you think of, you think of being naughty, having bad grades, not paying attention, being, you know, loud and just, dis- and almost like not violent, but disruptive. Even some of my personal friends from early high school have kind of been messaging me, not doubting and being like, oh, like, but you were so good at high school. So, like, uh, yes. what are the differences in terms of, I guess, if we're going with gender binary? But everything's different with different genders. But in terms of, you know, women and men presenting with ADHD. Yeah. And you're absolutely
1: right, Abby. Whenever people think, I always thought ADHD was this hyperactive male presentation and to be honest, the DSM five criteria and the DSM five is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of oh, Mental Disorders. You got the book. She got the book, she got the book. <laughs> She's like, see, I'm
0: ready, bitches. I'm <laughs> might, fucking page ready. I'm 31. <laughs> 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 31. I love it. Bookmark. <laughs> the, the criteria in this book was
1: designed almost for hyperactive males. And for this reason, a lot of women have been marginalized because they haven't met that. Specific criteria. And over the years, the criteria has changed. So Mm. we used to know it as ADD, which was basically ADHD without the hyperactivity. However, now ADHD is one diagnosis with three subtypes, and women predominantly meet the inattentive subtype. Then we have the hyperactivity, impulsivity subtype, and then we have a combined subtype of both. And to answer your question, in school, Due to societal norms, women have fallen through the cracks because in a classroom, women tend to have better behaviour and they're more mm-hmm. prone to engage in what we call hiding behaviours. So women who may struggle with ADHD in the classroom are likely to sit at the back and hope they don't get called out to answer a question and because... I guess they're better behaved, so to speak, they they don't tend to get um, called out or they're not particularly disruptive with the inattentive subtype. They keep mm. a low profile, whereas people with the hyperactivity or impulsivity subtype mm. tend to clown around or be loud and have that profile we all think ADHD is.
0: Yeah, because I was told that I have the the both, the combination. Combined, yes. Yeah, combined. But I have never been, I'd never been in trouble in my life, never was naughty, never, like mm-hmm. the worst things I did was like forget my hat or like I would talk in class. But I was never yes. naughty because I think that I was always, I had a mum as a teacher so I was very like goody two-shoes so it was hard to like notice anything was wrong. And also I got like straight A's, sometimes B's in my Mm. whole schooling so people wouldn't believe that I had anything wrong with me and it was kind of more like a I'd be told by teachers that you know you have such potential you could be so much Mm. you you, you don't do homework you don't do assignments the night before you're getting A's doing assignments the night before and you have such potential and I think the criteria for having any sort of ADHD or any any kind of mental health is it a health condition is it a what is it? Yes. Actually. Yeah. What
1: is it? So ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, yeah. it's a neurodevelopmental condition, which means it you are born with it. You are born with it. Contrary to what people think, it's not a deficit in attention. It's difficulty regulating your attention. So someone mm. who's neurotypical, they can sort of... Do different tasks throughout the day; they can divert their attention. Whereas someone with ADHD, it's either attention is random or it's hyper fixated on something. And
0: yeah. <laughs> as <laughs> you probably can imagine, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, like when when you have this kind of, I guess, is it a neurodivergency? Yeah, neurodivergent is the other way people describe it. Whereas
1: people without. ADHD may describe themselves as uh, neurotypical and right. as you said the combined subtype is and you can either have hyperactivity or impulsivity but especially in women we don't see a lot of the hyperactivity is not so much in behavior it's more just being talkative chatty sometimes inattentive mm-hmm. it's more sort
0: of yeah just being chatty and and that type of I mean, um, impulsivity my entire career is talking, <laughs> literally my entire career. I talk probably yes. 15 hours a week, I think at minimum, and I'm still like Dah! at lunch. So yes. that makes complete sense. But, yeah, I feel like no one really noticed anything because all it was was, oh, you're so – and because also I was so busy. In year 12, I had three jobs because I we had, like, some home – issue things so mm. I was also working all the time so kind of my lack of wanting to do assignments before the night before or before day of even sometimes was uh was kind of like oh like she's going through things at home so like she she doesn't there's no way she could do it but you know in hindsight then at uni it was the same thing it was like day before and I would still get like a six or a seven And all Mm. I would get was it wasn't like, wow, how amazing you you got a a six when you did it the morning of that it was due. It was like you have so much potential if only you applied yourself. And I would kind of think like, but I have applied myself in the most efficient way for me. So I, I would end up feeling guilty even if I got a six or a seven. I'd feel like. I hadn't earned that six or seven because yes. I feel like I should have been working for six weeks doing my, you know, one week check-in, week one check-in going I've done 10% of the assignment with my teachers and my tutors and I'd be like I was working full time. I'd think shouldn't I be like praised for yes. <laughs> finishing something morning of rather than being like if only you put more effort in you would have gotten straight seven. So is that something that is is common to get really good marks but to be kind of having this ADHD, mm-hmm. uh, these ADHD presenting behaviours and approaches to assignments and, and and homework and exams even.
1: Yeah, and it can be really damaging because, as you said, a lot of women describe their symptoms as not reaching their full potential in their career or they feel they can't demonstrate their full capacity or they feel they can't get on top of things no matter how hard they're trying. And mm. you are trying as hard as your executive function allows. But you got to remember, you're trying to deal with a neurotypical environment. Your environment isn't designed to meet your executive functioning barriers. And yes, you are doing well and getting a six or a seven. Imagine if you were thriving in an environment that was neurodivergent or Mm -hmm. set up in a way that helped you study. But, yes, the the issue is there's a lot of shame around the diagnosis and internalised shame because teachers, parents, they internalise these voices such as, oh, if only you applied yourself or, Mm. you know, you're not reaching your full potential. And that's why a lot of women hide or don't seek a diagnosis because of these internalised ideals that you're basically brought up with because of difference in your brain wiring,
0: yeah, and how, you, and how you thrive and want to function. Like I've mm. had I had a few teachers who really understood me and really got that I could, they would never check my homework ever and they would be like, I know you're going to get an A, so it's fine. Like you're gonna, <laughs> probably going to get, like you're fine. Like at, at my high school we had very good teachers, I think. Um, but there are some tutors, you know, who would kind of be like, well, your 10% is none this week. And I'd be kind of like, I have a full-time job, babes. Like I'm, I'm mm. working in my industry. I, I don't have time to think about this as well and I want to kind of like Compress, But what are some um, what are some symptoms that we should look out for uh, so that we can get diagnosed? Because I feel as though all the symptoms that I had were kind of negated by my good grades. I kind of thought I mm-hmm. had to be failing at classic study, I guess. I thought that I yeah. had to be not very good. But what are some symptoms that we can look out for? Because I've had so many DMs asking, I think I have mm-hmm. ADHD because of X, Y, Z. So what are some primary examples primary and again depends on the subtype but let's go with the inattentive
1: presentation because that is is more popular in women so one of the main features is difficulty getting going even when you know you have to there's this Activating to do things that just does not happen, and there's disorganisation, forgetfulness, Mm -hmm. distractibility, zoning out. Even if you're on the phone to a friend, difficulty sustaining your attention on the phone, scrolling (laughs) Instagram while on the phone, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. What did you say? Like it's
0: so bad.
1: Yes. And that also comes with the misperception of time or being time blind and people might say oh she's always late or you know can't you just set a reminder and it's really invalidating because it's it's an executive functioning problem it's not a I haven't tried that before kind of uh issue. So if you find you're you're missing time or time just goes that's a big one. Emotional dysregulation, so struggling
0: to regulate your emotions is a big one and like what I are guess, some examples well, of that, like getting ang- angry quickly or getting upset, like crying? Like what's getting being very sensitive to criticism? Yeah, like, just what di- are some examples?
1: Yeah, so emotional regulation refers to being able to, I guess, calm yourself in a situation. So if you're feeling activated or triggered or anxious or upset, You may be impulsive, you may be quite reactive because what happens is, right, your logical brain, this is where your executive function happens. So there's two parts of the brain. There's a logical brain, this is your reasoning, your judgment, your working memory. And that part of your brain actually doesn't develop until you're 25. And what they've found is that part of the brain in people with ADHD is 30% slower to develop as well. So this is why sometimes... Mm, people with ADHD may be labeled as immature or not, you know, act their chronological Mm -hmm. age. And this part of your brain is what helps you kind of think of the right strategy. And you've already got, you know, deficits in that executive functioning. And we need that when we are activated. So when our fight or flight is set off, we need that part of the brain to problem solve through Mm -hmm. certain situations. So people with ADHD have a deficit in that problem solving, they yeah, may be struggle to sort of regulate their emotions when they're activated
0: or in mm-hmm. times of challenge. Mm-hmm. So there's emotion regulation issues. What else is there? Sorry I interrupted you as per. Yeah, no, <laughs> like I sort the, of went off. interruptions. Is that also um I just get um yeah yeah it is yeah. Interrupting, interrupting people. Um blurting out the answers. Because I used to sorry again, God, I used to on the batch I remember I said to Matt, <laughs> like I was so insecure about interrupting people because I always have Interrupted people. And yes. people have been like, oh, like I've had friends, but like you're so narcissistic. And it's like, no, it's that I'm so excited about what you're saying. I want to add to what you're saying. And I told Matt on The Bachelor, I remember we had a date once and I was like, he was saying about like space something and I was like, I'm so sorry that I keep interrupting you. It's not that I think what you're saying isn't important. It's that I am just trying to like get out my thoughts also before I forget yeah. them. Like I have yes. thoughts and I'll completely forget them. So I'm like, I want to get it out so you understand that I'm listening to you. And I want to show that I'm actively listening, but I'm also in doing that being very rude and interrupting you. So it's a very hard thing to manage.
1: It is, and it's it's not your fault. Again, it's your executive functioning. And another symptom is difficulty speaking in an organised way to express all your thoughts. So you mm. probably want to get it out fast in the time you have because it's mm. hard to have your thoughts... Organized. And Mm. on that topic of organization, people with ADHD, they struggle to keep things organized, difficulty cooking and shopping, having a messy car. They have difficulty keeping up with small talk. They feel fatigued from a normal schedule, quote unquote. Inability to accurately predict how long it takes to get tasks done. They may need repeated explanation of details or instructions. Mm -hmm. And There is honestly so much, but I guess the key component in a diagnosis is does this interfere with your day to day functioning? Mm. And does it occur in more than one setting? So to actually get a diagnosis, it has to occur not just at school, it has to be work or your relationships. And this can affect your relationships as well, especially the impulsivity uh subtype as well can
0: interfere with your interpersonal relationships. How so and I got a lot of questions about that. People who were with someone who has ADHD or someone who has ADHD and is worried about their partner. How does that affect I guess, romantic relationships in particular? It affects romantic relationships
1: because often people with the hyperactive impulsivity subtype, they tend to maybe jump from relationship to relationship and they often don't feel satisfied in relationships. However, I do want to put a disclaimer. If you experience <laughs> that...
0: Me vibes never get on for longer <laughs> than six months. It, uh, yeah. and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a thing. But... I,
1: I must say is that there is a high comorbidity with ADHD and other mental health conditions. So if you have these symptoms, it may not just be ADHD. There may be some underlying trauma. There may be some difficulty with anxiety. So we do see trans-diagnostic overlap, which means symptoms of, because I get a lot of questions around borderline personality disorder and many mm. people with borderline have ADHD as well. So that emotional dysregulation, the interpersonal challenges, they're seen across many disorders. So I don't want people to listen to this and generalise and self-diagnose. So, yes, it can be due to an overlap in another uh, disorder. But to answer your question, yeah, we often see impulsivity, may interfere with relationships, never feeling satisfied, and your, your partner not understanding you. Maybe if they don't have, I guess, ADHD literacy or knowledge, they can often think, you're so inconsiderate, you're so selfish, you just don't care when really it's an executive functioning issue. It's not a personal issue or a personal attack on them. So I think it's important to find relationships that are willing to learn about your ADHD and how can help you thrive in that. So you don't feel like, oh my gosh, I got to, you know, change how I am to function in this neurotypical world.
0: Yeah. So how does that manifest in relationships? Like, is it like forgetting certain dates or like forgetting you have like a dinner that night? Is it things like that, that would make someone maybe in theory? um, Yeah. (laughs) Forgetting, forgetting, but this is in your calendar? (laughs) I think it really
1: depends on the person, but you know, they have difficulty staying on top of tasks, issues with time, messiness. So if a partner struggles with those things or they can't accept all parts of you, it may amplify reactions or it may amplify fights or disagreements. And the thing is, a lot of women, as I said earlier, they will, this is sad and unfortunate, but what they've found is the number one coping mechanism women use for ADHD is hiding. But Mm. they are reluctant to seek help. They would rather kind of hide their symptoms rather than seek help. That's the number one coping mechanism. And the reason is because these brain-based symptoms, so these difficulties with cooking, shopping, clean, you know, cleaning, mm. staying on top of tasks, these brain-based symptoms lead an urge to retreat Protect or hide mm. because they're fearful. They're fearful of rejection, of abandonment, of being dismissed, of being invalidated. So they try to mimic, I guess, neurotypical behaviors mm. because they're scared that people are going to say all the things they've heard their whole life, essentially. And that can come out in relationships
0: as well. Totally. I mean, I feel like my whole life, you know, a little while ago, like 10 minutes ago, you were saying that you know, why don't you just set a reminder? And I think people need to understand that like when you have ADHD, you need a reminder for every single part of your life. It isn't just a reminder for like going to the shop. It's it's like a reminder for call this person back. It's a reminder for pay this bill. It's a reminder for like every single thing unless I do it right away. That's why now I've learned since I was diagnosed to like if I get a bill email, I'm like one second paying this right now because I've gotten like Bill overdue. I've lost a point on my licence not paying a parking bill, not because I didn't mm. have the money but because it was on my fridge for a year I, and I just forgot it was there. And things like, you know, A call with them. I have to have a 10-minute reminder before. I have to have reminders for literally every single thing. Taking the dog for a wee. Like every single part. It isn't just a, oh, we have dinner. Set a reminder. It's every single thing of my life has to be reminded of. And it's really hard to maintain that and also a career and also a romantic relationship and also friendships. Like I have friends I haven't seen for like mm. eight months in my brain, I saw them last weekend, and like you always yes. fail, and it's like oh, shit. Misperception oh, of time. Yes, I've not and realized it's everything. it's, it's yes. really hard to like keep up with life, particularly in like in 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 my industry where there's so many things going on, and even like remembering names. Like yes. Remembering, is that, a, is that a symptom? Because people, yes, the yes, the worst with names ever. I yes. feel so rude. I try so hard. <laughs> I <laughs> know. Like, I and I go, and I go, John, 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 John. Then I go, oh, is it John or is it Josh? You know what I mean? <laughs> then I get anxious about the name being wrong. Then I get insecure about the name. Do you know what I mean? It's like a whole awful yes. cycle of everything. You feel like you're always on eggshells. If that makes yes, sense. You. Like someone's mad at you for something, being late, forgetting their name, forgetting what you have on the next day. You know, um, I don't know. Like, oh, I forgot to bring my pen. Can I use a pen? Like everything mm-hmm. is just like you're everything. always in some trouble.
1: Yeah, and that anxiety, when you're anxious, your frontal lobe flips and you can't actually access the information you need and your frontal lobe is where your executive functioning happens. And this is where ADHD people struggle. So think of your executive functioning as Mm -hmm. your CEO of the brain. It's your working memory. So it's your memory in the moment. And that isn't working as efficiently as someone without ADHD. It's Mm -hmm. your emotional regulation, your processing speed. And so when you struggle with names and being on time and all of that, it's not you as a person trying to do that. The CEO of your brain is just different and it's not different bad. It is just different. Mm. And I, I, I love this description where they they call it the, you know, invisible
0: difficulty that people can't mm. see from the outside. It's very hard. The names thing really upsets me because I feel like mm. I meet so many people who I really like on set. Like I'll meet 20 people a week, usually new people or people I've voted before. And it's like, they're like, oh, I worked with you on Bachelor. And I'm like, I. Have no idea what your name is, and it's not because yeah. I don't care about. I know, I know your face. I know you did sound on Bachelor. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I know I liked you. I have no idea what your fucking name is. I have no fucking clue, and I have to wait until I see you. I look at name tags. I'm like, ah, oh, hello, <laughs> hello Stephen. Like, so it's very, it's it's very stressful for me, and I feel like I've also seen people post on TikTok. I, you know, TikTok isn't the most reliable source, but there are a lot of people realizing they have certain mental health issues or neurodivergencies from TikTok. And I've seen someone list, um, the like, similarities in experience for people who are have ADHD or are narcissists. So, like, I've seen mm. people say that, like, talking over people. Because people, I've seen people have friends from, like, high school say, I think you're a narcissist. And it's just that I talk over them. Do you know what I mean? And they yeah. think that that's narcissistic personality disorder. It's actually just that... I get excited and talk over them and then I forget I forget about dates. And it's like, well, you're narcissistic because you've forgotten about, you know, this certain thing, or if you've gotten someone's name. Mm. And it's like, no, I just have a bad memory in 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 that way. So it, are there overlaps in symptoms? And then is is the difference intention or what's the difference? Cause I'm scared I'm a yeah. narcissist, basically. <laughs> Long story well, short. A, if you're questioning if you're a narcissist and
1: you feel scared of being one, you are probably more likely than not a narcissist because the difference between a narcissist and someone who thinks they have it is worrying about it and thinking Mm. you have it Um, Mm. and feeling bad. You said, you know, I feel bad when I remember people's names and you're not deliberately trying to do it to hurt people. So Mm. narcissism (laughs) occurs on a spectrum and on the far end of the spectrum, you've got narcissistic personality disorder, but people can have narcissistic traits. We all lie somewhere on the spectrum and is there overlap? Maybe, but I don't think it's problematic. I mean, People are preaching, be confident and self-love and all that. But when does that cross into uh, narcissism? So I think mm-hmm. it, it does come down to, A, do people feel bad about the behaviour? And if they do, if they, oh, my gosh, I forgot their name. Whereas if someone's like, I'm going to pretend I forgot their name to make them feel really bad, oh, no, that never. is a difference. I try
0: so hard stuff. I sit mm-hmm. and I'm like, and now I feel like my <laughs> brain is firing off. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm like, what's your name, what's your name, what's your name? Even people that I work with every day, like, on The Masked Singer, right, I would every day remind myself what everyone's – even, like, producers that I saw, they'd call me twice a day and I'd be like – Hey, I was too scared to say that name because I've forgotten that many names in my time that I'm scared to even say their names, which causes me to forget their names because I'm not saying their names. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yes. Like, because I'm I'm not I hear the name once and then I go, never again are you saying that name because you've forgotten so many names in your time. Like, I don't remember any names. And then all names kind of go into one ball. I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, they categorise. I'm like, white man names, like Dan, Stephen, John, Paul. (laughs) And there are so many in television that I'm like, I have no idea what, like, what your name is. So it it really, like, it affects your self-confidence because you forget people's names and faces and you forget what they do, and it, it's of not course. an intentional thing. I try. I write people's names down now. I'm like executive producer Sean. Like, and it's not yes. because I don't like them, but it's just because I I forget so much so often. I can. I also kind of confuse people. I'll think that you know Jenny's daughter is named Sarah, but actually it's Sean's daughter that's named Sarah. And you know what I mean? It's like this whole or like you know. Everyone kind of mm-hmm. turns into one person. Is that a sin of ADHD or is that just me being busy? <laughs> I'm like, well, look, I we, can't discri- <laughs> differentiate. Yeah. I mean, look, we know that there is
1: struggles with memory, with processing speed, with, with all of that. And I think you've got to be a bit kinder to yourself because people without ADHD struggle with the same thing. But, hey, you actually have a reason to not remember people's names. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, look, it's it's tricky. And yes, it can be a, a symptom because it is your working memory. It's the memory you need in the moment to remember someone's name. So absolutely, it can be a thing.
0: Okay, thank you, Illy Queen. <laughs> In terms of getting diagnosed, I had a really hard time being diagnosed. And I was sort of scared to speak. I have a psychologist I've been going to for I think two years now and she's mm-hmm. great. But I was nervous to talk to her about it because I felt like I wasn't diagnosed by a psychiatrist. Therefore, it would kind of be obsolete to speak to her about it, if that makes sense. i kind of be like, because I think that if I came to her being like, I have ADHD, she'd be like, okay, well, let's go to a psychiatrist next. You know what I mean? So it took me yeah. 18 months. I tried for, I tried for so long to get an appointment Then it was COVID and then everyone was going to psychiatrists because of all the mental health conditions that, you know, came from lockdown and everyone's self-reflecting. And and then I eventually got an, an appointment and it took, you know, an hour for him to go, yep, call cool, you've ADHD, mm-hmm. next to medication. But um, firstly, what is the first step to getting diagnosed? Should we, tell our psychologists without getting an actual diagnosis that we think we have it or what's the kind of process
1: it is extremely challenging to get a diagnosis in Australia particularly you know in Melbourne where i am but anywhere in mm. Australia because no one in the public system deals with it there mm. is very little if any psychiatrists who will say bulk bill or who have availability and there's no appointments. The um, doctors I work with who assess for it and who refer you, they're booked out to 2023. So number one, getting in with a psychiatrist is extremely challenging and it is expensive. Now, the reason you need to be diagnosed or you want to be diagnosed by a psychiatrist is because it is the only way you can get uh, pharmacotherapy treatment. It's the only way you can get medication, which is the first line of treatment for ADHD. Yes, a psychologist can diagnose you with ADHD, but you cannot get medication unless your Mm. diagnosis comes from a psychiatrist, even a doctor. Doctors need what's called a letter of delegation, which is a letter of permission from a psychiatrist to prescribe dexamphetamines. As you said in one of the episodes on the show, it's a schedule eight drug. So, a dexamphetamine mm. needs a special type of letter from a psychiatrist, and getting into that appointment with the psychiatrist is challenging. So, for people, who think they may have ADHD or they want to start this journey, I would 100% recommend looking at some of the resources out there and seeing if you resonate. There is a great YouTube channel called How To ADHD. This lady talks about it and it's fantastic. And if you think you have it, look out for it, read some resources. And if you think you resonate, yes, go to your psychologist because you can book in for a psychiatrist and that appointment may be in months, months, months' time. However, ADHD has a lot of comorbidities and when I say comorbidities, what that means is two or more diagnoses or disorders that occur at the same time. We see such a high prevalence of people with ADHD also having bulimia, binge eating, substance use disorders, sexual trauma, PTSD. And what we recommend is up until the appointment with your psychiatrist, start to work on those other concerns, especially if you have a substance use disorder, such as a drug addiction, a psychiatrist is not going to prescribe you dexamphetamine.
0: So you can work on that other addiction until your appointment if you have one. Yeah. Cause I had to get, not only was it the year and a half trying an appointment, it was then, and this is fair enough, like when it's drugs that Ah, oh, schedule it makes sense. But then it was three months of trying to get my heart checked, get my uh urine checked for methamphetamine to make sure I wasn't on any other drugs that were so I wouldn't just do this to get uh dexamphetamine. And it was always other tests that then took then took three more months to get a dexamphetamine mm-hmm. uh script. Um so yeah, it is it is really hard. I think the the major issue is trying to get an actual appointment with a psychiatrist because I had refer I had multiple referrals from my GP who was so lovely, and I was just like I they were like yeah next appointment is June 2023 this is in January this year and then even then it's about six hundred bucks. Like yes, not it's so expensive. It isn't like it's like oh, because like psychology is what one hundred and thirty bucks something is mine every time I go like with my Mm -hmm. rebate, which isn't cheap, but it isn't like it's like like six hundred bucks is. A whole week of pay for a lot of people. I yes, it's a yes. Huge. It's a huge amount of money. It isn't just like a hundred bucks. You know, you can probably scrap it together if you save it up for six hundred bucks. Is like a car repayment. It's your red Joe. It is so mm-hmm. many different things. So, are there any other things that people can do? Are there obviously medication is probably the main way to deal with it. But are there any other resources that are free people can kind of go to? Um, you've said how to ADHD, but are there any? I don't know. I mean, your Instagram, I'm sure, has a lot. There's what? What can we trust? Yeah, and what can we trust. I guess. Well, I also just want to point out that psychiatrists,
1: as you said, they are costly. They can be anywhere between $400 and $1,000 a session. But there is a letter called a 291 and what this is is a letter that a doctor writes that actually gives you back $400 approximately on your appointment with a psychiatrist, but it's just a once-off. It's one appointment once a year. <gasps>
0: That's
1: Yeah, good. that gives you your rebate. Yes, and not many people know about it, but no. if your doctor is aware of it, they can refer you to a psychiatrist under a 291 and you will get four hundred dollars back from Medicare, approximately. So, just to Amazing. yeah, that might That's help so people.
0: People would that would help so many people that are listening right now. Yes, so if we if we can't get that, and if we can't get our uh, you know appointment for a while, any resources that you can think of? Yeah, I definitely think there's so much online. So on uh,
1: YouTube, there's uh, Jessica McKay, I believe is her name. How to ADHD that uh, channel, but that gives you additional resources. So. Mm-hmm. However, everyone has a different combination of ADHD, right? There's a certain amount of symptoms and people can have different combinations of symptoms. So it's about finding what is going to work for me and then trying to make your environment ADHD friendly. So for a lot of people at home, it's about making a task within arm's reach. So if there is a coffee, having all the things you need to make your coffee within arm's reach. Mm. You're not walking over to the fridge and then you go take your dog for a walk and then you got this empty coffee cup in your hand. Oh my God, it's me. about finding yes, what do mm. I struggle with, and then making that ADHD friendly for yourself. So there's lots of TikTok accounts that I can provide you with later. I'll give you some Important links link to in that. Show notes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That have planners or not a planner, not a book, but just a single piece of paper you can put on your fridge, which you tick off. And it, again, needs to be modified for everyone's unique challenges. But Mm. I think finding a psychologist or a therapist who has experience in ADHD is extremely important. And Mm. often a psychologist who is trauma-informed, because we see a lot of comorbidity with ADHD, and trauma as well. And yes, mm. psychologists can be costly even with the rebate, but mm-hmm. you also can find bulk billing psychologists as well in Australia.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I do want to talk about the uh statistics if you yes, want yes, to know. Yeah. In general, 2.5% of the adult population have ADHD, but only 0.9%
0: are being recognised and treated. Wow. Because I, I feel yes. as though ADHD is kind of a, like, you think of it as being a kid thing. Because I feel yes. as though you think of like kids have ADHD and then they grow out of it. Or if you aren't diagnosed as a kid, you aren't really, you don't have ADHD really. So, mm-hmm. like, how how hard is it to diagnose an adult versus a child, I guess? Because I feel like when I was looking for a psychiatrist the issue that I had as well was that, all of them were kid psychiatrists and they were like, we don't really do adults. And I was like, "Oh, okay, well, sorry. Um, and they were like, do you, do you have, I mean, you need evidence from like your childhood, but some of them were like, do you have your report cards? And I was like, no, <laughs> not for yeah. me three. Like I was like, not really. So my sister come in and do all these things, but like, is it really, really different? diagnosing a child versus an adult or is it kind of the similar stuff, just manifesting in adult problems, you know, office environments versus school environments? It's a great question because you're right. ADHD often presents
1: in childhood and when we are diagnosing it in adults, the person must have had symptoms at least around or before the age of 12. And mm-hmm. what they've found is adult recall of past events or of ADHD symptoms in childhood is actually quite poor. So what we rely on is ancillary information. So what mm-hmm. that means is we rely on speaking to parents, uh, loved ones to understand your behaviour and get a, a picture from other people or yes, report cards. But it is more pronounced in children male children mostly, Mm -hmm. whereas as we said, women, children, they sort of, you know, get good grades or they might be less inattentive in class and be able to focus on their schoolwork. It just depends. Everyone is different. But in adult ADHD, the reason it can be challenging to diagnose is because women have learned masking behaviour. They've learned how to mimic neurotypical behaviour that's socially acceptable, whereas kids don't really know that yet, so they're just oh, being them, you know? Right, yeah. But the issue is the masking behaviour, life stresses outweigh the masking and it gets to a point in adulthood who you're like, I can't do this anymore, something yeah. is not right because your coping is outweighed by the
0: right. consequence, right. yeah. Right. Lame, did you have a question?
2: Yeah, I forgot it as well. No, <laughs> actually, no, no. Um, she has ADHD. ADHD. We all have ADHD. <laughs> Everyone does. Is ADHD in in any way a spectrum? So can you actually display the some of these symptoms but not necessarily qualify to be diagnosed mm. and then you kind of like, because I feel like I might be, it's like mm. me self-diagnosing. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, because I, I feel like a lot of people would display these symptoms but then it wouldn't be disrupting their mm. lives, if that makes sense, or they have learned how to deal with them in a way totally. that, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, that is such a great question and I guess it can be applied to
1: anything, autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, and The answer is yes, you can have symptoms without meeting the full criteria. So with adults, they need five symptoms which are listed in the DSM-5 to meet a diagnosis. It also has to interfere with their day-to-day functioning, so either in their occupational or in their relationships or in their schooling. And it can't be better explained by something else. A lot of people who may get an ADHD diagnosis may also be up for is it autism? Is it a learning disorder? Is it yeah. a learning difficulty? There's so much that could potentially explain the symptoms. So yes, you may have traits. I have traits. We all have traits, but it doesn't mean we we have the disorder unless we meet the full criteria.
2: And another oh. thing, if you have trouble regulating attention, it also means that you can be really obsessed with one task and not be able to Move on to another task as well, right? Like this would be my issue. I I would say like if I'm making music or I'm editing a podcast, sometimes I would just be like, oh, five hours have passed by, and like
0: hyperfixation. I haven't. Is it called? Yeah,
2: I haven't eaten. I haven't. I didn't realize I needed to go to the bathroom. Like is that kind
0: of also on the other issue? Eating as well. Then like I forget. I genuinely forget to eat until I'm almost about to pass out. Then I go, oh my god, everything goes, "Eh." and I'm like, no. I am concerned because it's 4 p.m. and I haven't eaten all. The- I- I- how yes. many times you- I went to the podcast and go – fuck, I haven't eaten today, Lem. Like well, I, that's I, I, why I
2: get you the nummies, Abby. She gets me nummies when I come into studio. <laughs>
0: oh. I always like I have food there because I go, I'm I'm going to pass out. That's why Lem now gives me lollies and stuff <laughs> at, at work because I'm going to pass out. Yes, and you, that's what I mean about making your environment and your
1: lifestyle ADHD friendly, carrying snacks with you because people with ADHD forget to eat and mm. like I said, in your home, making your home friendly, having, you know, a slow cooker or easy to make meals yeah. right in front of you to Remind you? Oh, I have to uh, eat today. And hyperfixation—just going back to what you were saying—them oh, yeah. is the opposite to random attention. It's paying attention really goal-directedly on one task, and it's usually something you enjoy. And this is what I guess can sometimes infuriate people with ADHD. It's like, oh, you don't have attention issues when you're playing video games, yeah. because it's something they enjoy and it's something they're able to do. But if we make playing video games challenging for their executive functioning. Well, for children, for example, if there's a lot of steps to turn on the video game and plug it in and figure things out, they're less likely to do it. And then mm. similarly, if we make tasks that we want kids or adults to do easier, then they're more likely to do it. But if there's a lot of steps and a lot of executive functioning involved, you're less likely to do that task.
0: Yeah, totally. Like for, with this podcast art for this show, I set up till like 4 o'clock just drawing it on my on my silly little computer because I was obsessed with it, but I can't go downstairs to get groceries because my car's too hard to get out of the car park. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm like, oh, there I you go, a it's too hard. Turn. I'm like a three point turn. I'm not gonna go. It's raining. I'm not gonna do that right now. And It isn't a lazy thing. It's like a, I can't compute. My brain yes. can't comprehend getting outside and doing all the steps. I can't like, I can't see a future me. If that makes sense, I don't know if that's like yes. If that is understandable. Yes. So you were saying that. I had a lot of questions about people who have from people who have autism or have ADHD and think they might have the other. So people who have autism might think they have ADHD or people with ADHD think they might have autism. Is that a, a comorbidity? Is that something that happens a lot together? Or uh, yeah, what's the situation with that? How do you get diagnosed with either of those?
1: Good question. We probably see more comorbidity with ADHD and borderline personality Mm -hmm. disorder. We found that people with borderline personality disorder, 40% of them are also likely to have ADHD. And with ASD, yes, there is a likelihood that there is comorbidity. But again, ASD is hard to diagnose in adults, especially women, because women have learned masking behavior, what is socially acceptable, how to act. And it can be challenging to diagnose, but it is important to screen for and for people, give them, I guess, an explanation for their behavior. There's always, oh, you know, know, people are fearful of labeling or getting a diagnosis. And I Mm. think if anyone is listening to this and thinking they may have ADHD or they want to get diagnosed, the first question to really ask yourself is, is why. Why do I want a diagnosis or what will that mean to me? If I do receive a diagnosis and if I don't receive a diagnosis, what will that mean to me? Because I think Mm -hmm. having a diagnosis isn't necessarily always a a magic answer and there's no evidence-based psychological intervention. It is symptom management and medication for most people. And people find the medication is magic. We call it the Cinderella effect. You you suddenly have it and then you're able to be productive and be, you know, more organised with work. I just wanted to know
0: what's been your experience so far with the medication? So I've only been on it for about, I think, a week and the first day I was like... Not well. Like I, I had it when I was filming. So my I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep it, keep my script until I have a day off work and then I realise I don't have a day off work until like uh, August. Um, But I had a weekend off, which is joyous. But before that, that wasn't the plan. So I took it when I was filming my Singer and everyone at the semi-finals, if I look a bit weird, that's why. Because I was <laughs> not... Well, like I looked in the mirror and I was like, I feel like I'm at a club at 4 a.m. Like I was like, I my eyes were crusty, my lips were getting really dry and I had to put pawpaw paw on my lips because it kept flipping up into my mouth and I kept making weird mouth. Like I was like mouth twitching and I was like, oh, my God, Husey, I'm done. Like I was like, this is so bad. I tell Osha, I was like, Osha, I had my first dexamphetamine, heads up, babes, I could be weird tonight <laughs> and I was. And, oh. I mean the producers <laughs> didn't notice but – I was weird. And then the next couple of days, I couldn't sleep at all that night at all. Mm. Like literally not one bit. And then it's been about a week and I've had a one day without them and had a very bad anxiety, panic attack on the weekend, um, probably the worst I've ever had. And I think it was because I forgot to take my medication so I had like a bit of a come down. Mm. But it's been okay. It's been – I'm only taking – I'm taking half what they said to take right now. So I was thinking yeah. – they recommended, by the way, no one – Take this as a script for me, please. This is what my doctor told me to take. So it's meant to be two pills a day. But for a week, I took half a pill all day because I couldn't sleep when I had one. I would one in the morning, mm-hmm. 11 a.m., and I couldn't sleep for the next night at 10.30 p.m. So, wow. uh, yeah, it was bad. And also I think because I was filming as well. So filming makes me anxious already and filming makes me very on right so I be mm-hmm. filming or radio every day for a month so it was I was constantly waking up and going oh, da, 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 and I had to be but so it's been it's been okay I haven't noticed any big difference in like my symptoms. I have noticed I don't know if it's placebo but I have been able to organize things like for example when my friends have texted me saying it's my birthday August whatever I've been able to go I'll put it into my calendar now so I've been able to manage my life to suit my symptoms better, if that makes sense. I haven't had less yes. symptoms, but I've, I've had the ability to go, great, well, let's block out that time that weekend, then let's book a flight right now. So I'm more, maybe yes. more aware to be able to function rather than lack of symptoms. It's more I'm able to preempt the symptoms, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. And that that's exactly how it is supposed to work. So
1: mm-hmm. it's we kind of call it shiny object syndrome. Oh, so when yes. it's like, oh, this thing, oh that thing. What um the dexamphetamine does is it stimulates the frontal lobe and it says, focus on one thing now. And it quietens the hyperactivity, it quietens the impulsivity. And some people actually worry like am I going to lose who I am? Am I going to lose my personality? Especially, you know, you're so like charismatic and chatty and mm. you know you're you're on in your radio show. But What's important to know is like Cinderella at midnight or when the medication wears down, (laughs) you're going to be that same person. And yeah, unlike antidepressants, uh, this type of medication is quite different. You can be selective with when you take it. And if one day you don't want to take it, it's
0: okay. It's not like an antidepressant where you need to take it consistently every day. Okay, amazing. So what other medications are there? Because people have been on or and Vivance? Ritalin. Vyvanse? Sorry, what's Vyvanse? No idea. Vyvanse yeah, so- and Ritalin. And is that like a dexamphetamine, that they're the first point of call and then it's kind of like seeing what's better for you from there? Yeah, so
1: just a disclaimer, I'm not a psychiatrist and no, I can't prescribe okay, medications, so subscribe. I'm just... <laughs> like, having general
0: chats, general chats. Just you know, having a general chat. Yeah.
1: So what they have now is what's called a retrospective diagnosis. And if someone is diagnosed with ADHD and it has been going on for quite a long time, people are really loving Vyvanse because it is long active. So long active means it lasts longer as opposed to shorter acting uh, medication. And what they've also found is long acting medication such as Vyvanse, it actually helps with comorbid conditions such as binge eating or Mm. other diagnoses that people have. But again, medication is such an
0: individual experience. So it's important Mm. to find what works for you. Totally. And just one more question before we go. How do we know if medication isn't working for us? Because I feel like everyone's been saying to me for the past week, it's an adjustment period. But for those of us who are on medication, like what is kind of the the, the, the not the breaking point, but what is the point when we say, I don't know if this is working for me? Or do we just keep chatting to our psychiatrist and psychologists and then they'll kind of flag it for us? That's a really
1: important question because, yes, I think there's a lot of pressure or comments that just wait, just give it time, it's going to be okay. But I think if you find being on the medication doesn't enhance your life in any way or doesn't allow you to function better and you've experienced this for a prolonged period of time, then yes, definitely chat to your psychiatrist about it. Or if you're having really adverse side effects that just aren't worth, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, mm-hmm. that may be <laughs> when it may be worth speaking to your psychiatrist about as well. But I think it's important to point out is it needs to be used in conjunction with psychological therapy or in conjunction with. Modification of your environment or strategies or skills. It's if you just do it alone and you're not trying to put things in your calendar or
0: you know set your times or whatever, it's probably not going to feel as effective as it could. It's not like a miracle cure. It's just it's just something to like kind of enhance, you know, make better, right? Amazing. Well, Steph, I loved talking to you. Like I could talk to you for hours. You were so amazing. Everyone follow Mind Food Steph on Instagram. Um, and anything else you want to plug? Thank you. Oh, I would just love for everyone to head on over. If you've got questions, I've got lots of
1: videos on my TikTok page and I always reply to people's questions and Amazing. do more videos on that because I think mental health needs to be expressed. It needs to be validated and now people are getting so aware of it. So let's educate people
0: on what they may be experiencing Absolutely. Well, the links to your Instagram and TikTok will be in our little show notes. So thank you so much. Steph, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: Listener